0: You are listening to the Daily Talks podcast where my mom, Dali, empowers parents like you with parenting tips. My mom's mission is to help parents make their child raising experience easier and more enjoyable by sharing valuable lessons to lead in unnecessary struggles. The Daily Talks podcast is for any person already parenting or planning on parenting a child. Each week you'll hear different experts talk with my mom about important aspects of parenting, self-care, and of course her specialized area of bullying awareness and prevention. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so now wherever you may be listening, and don't forget to set up your alerts so that you don't miss any episodes. Let's get started!
1: And we are live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Mujer de Éxito, Unbounded Woman of Success Without Limits. And I am your host, Marti Angel. I'm so incredibly grateful for you, each one of my listeners, watchers. And today, let me just share that today is going to be an awesome new experience. Change is happening. So I have a beautiful guest. And she also has a podcast. So we're going to try this like back and forth to save us time instead of, you know, recording on one podcast and then jumping on another. And hopefully it's going to work. And hopefully everybody here will love it. So I have a beautiful guest and we're going to just keep going back and forth and recording for each one of our podcasts. I have with me today another mujerpreneur. Her name is Dali, and she also has a podcast called Dali Talks. Very intelligent young woman. I'm so excited. Met her on Clubhouse and just followed her. And um, I just was taken in by her warmth and her ability to actually um, invoke information uh, to the parents of the community she serves. Thank
0: you, Dali, so much for being here today. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you so much. Um, And of course, I'll go ahead and do my intro since we're recording for both of us. So, okay, everybody, I'm really excited to introduce to you Marte Angel or Angel. Um, She's a Latina business coach and she's known as the empowering Latina coach. I've had conversations with her and not only are they really fun, but they're so insightful. And I'm telling you, if you ever are, are looking for a coach who can put some spark in your life and help you uh, recognize that you can do whatever it is you're doubting. She is it. And she has done so many things. We probably won't be able to get to that today, but I'm telling you, she is amazing. So Marty, thank you so much for being here on the Dali Talks podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I forgot to mention to everybody, my listeners, Dali. Her last name is Rivera, and she is uh, a parenting coach, which is something that I wish I had when I had decided to, um, you know, decide to become a parent myself, right? But she specializes in bullying awareness and prevention education for parents of middle school age kids. Interestingly enough, I was also a principal at a middle school as well as a high school. So I love my middle schoolers. I know everybody said I was crazy, but I love my middle schoolers. So yeah, so I love it. And she's the creator of the diversity and anti-bullying academy. And you know, when I'm going to say that I'm also the creator of the rock your biz academy. So we're, we're right there. We mm-hmm. both have an academy. We both have a podcast. Um, and, um, yeah, but I think, um, I've been on this earth a lot longer,
0: <laughs> <laughs> not, but thank you a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have some amazing experiences that, uh, I, I mean, you blew me away when we had that first conversation, and I, I've heard a little bit on your podcast because, you know, if I'm going to come on your podcast, I'm going to go listen to it, subscribe. Uh, but then other stuff you told me, I was like, wow. And it's incredible because one of the things I always keep in mind is you, you know, that saying, uh, don't read a book by its cover. Uh, uh, yeah, by, the, by its cover. It's so, so true. I know that most of us do to a certain extent. Right. But like opening up your pages is amazing and I I told my kids about you and i was like you have no idea she's amazing and she's Latina I always stress that because I want the representation you know I want them to know and I said you know her stories that she's already telling um, and she's you have so much more life of course to live and you're already telling these amazing stories these adventures and that's what I would think um, probably fills your life with I don't even have the words uh, aside from adventure and like joy. I mean, just so much richness, richness. And that's how I want to be, you know, um, as I every, every year that I get older, Mm -hmm. uh, something amazing that I overcame or how I helped in the world. And uh, say that with that light in your eyes, the way that you do it. And with a smile on my face, uh, because that's what living really is. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I always say, you know, when I get asked, um, you know, what is it that you want to leave behind? I want to leave a legacy of Latina leaders who I envision or at my, you know, or at my celebration of life. And basically they say, because of you, Marty, we didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? So, um, I, you know, so my superpower, I, you know, I'm going to ask you about your superpower, but I, You know, people always ask me, what's your superpower? And so I asked it on Facebook the other day, and everybody's going, Awesome. Your superpower is being awesome. And I'm going, like, okay, what does that really mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And then and then one of my teachers who was a teacher of mine who worked underneath me um he just nailed it so you guys are going to have to go to my uh to my facebook um you know my facebook uh, profile and read because i don't remember but he nailed it right he nailed it mm-hmm. but i think my superpower is Really, and then I'd love to ask you what you think your superpower is. I think my superpower is working with the underserved, the underprivileged, and the underrepresented who tend to be the Latina, um, you know, mujerpreneurs or the Latina women, period. Um, My superpower is helping them see and realize that they are more than they think they can be. Mm -hmm. That's really Say, yeah, yes. because, you know, we've been so. We've been, I want to say, we've been like flies, you know, um, and in a always being knocked down and, and, you know, and swatted down and, and all by society and the um, people that are unable to accept diversity and things like that. So we've been swatted, swatted, swatted. And because of that, we as Mujerpreneurs um, or Mujeres Latinas in power, in business, in education, always been uh, to the, I'm um, told that. You know, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. And we don't have what it takes. So somewhere along the line, we ingested that and, you know, and allowed it to become our truth. And I just want to make sure that, you know, it's you are out there and I'm your champion because I'm going to tell you it is not true. And I know like I know, like I know, like I know that you can be more than you think you can be.
0: I absolutely agree. And if I can push you up, then let's do it. Yeah. I Like your energy alone, I think, embodies what you just said. And that's great. Not every coach has that. And so I want to mention that to people who are currently looking for their first coach ever, that you got to feel that energy from whoever you're going to trust to help you because um, it's infectious. And to answer your question... I think that my superpower is sharing knowledge. Uh, I've been doing this since I was little because I remember a moment when my mom said, Dali, uh, listen to older people because they've lived life. And if you listen to their advice, then you're going to avoid a lot of hardships. And it stuck with me. I don't know why. But um, somehow I also translated that to, oh, they're sharing knowledge with me. I want to do that. I want to do that for somebody, you know? And so every time I, I I go into these forums or these, you know, chats or even on clubhouse and people are like, Oh yeah, you know, if you want to do X, Y, and Z, you just, and they give you a blanket like answer. Right. I like to give more concrete answers. Like one that sticks out was uh, we were having a a conversation with a financial person and they were talking about, you know, leaving your money, your assets, Uh, and you have to get a will and a trust and all that, but people were asking, well, how much is it? And he wouldn't say, and I know it's because it varies depending on the situation, but I'm like, but give the people at least an idea. (laughs) And so since I've done mine, my mom has done hers, you know, several people and they're like, it starts around, you know, $3,000. And they're like, oh, OK. I was like, there you go. That's all people need. They need that knowledge of like, where's my baseline? So if I have the answer, I, I like to share it with people because, you know, we stop ourselves when we're wondering, say, like, I want to go to the Bahamas. How mm-hmm. expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Nos imaginamos tantas cosas, right? Right, right. Ooh, que lujo, you know, the airfare is going to be expensive. Well, how much was it? I don't know. Well, you paid an all inclusive trip. How much was it? Oh, it was pricey. Okay, what's pricey? Is it like three grand, five grand, 10? You know, like give me something because once I know, I have an idea, then I can work up to that goal. Exactly, exactly. Mm
1: It's the same thing, you know, um, when you do the coaching, it's like, okay, don't make me listen to a 90 minute presentation. And at the end, tell me that I'm going to save all of this. Um, and so this year I decided that, you know what it, it I'm just going to tell the price. If you want to coach with me, it's if you want to coach your best bet, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a thousand dollars a month, then your best bet is to go to my group coaching program because that's, that's only half the price, right? It's only half the price and you get, um, and I keep my group coaching to 10 to 20 people, right? Mm -hmm. But um, your gurus tell you, no, don't do that. And I'm going like, why not? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sh- I'm a straight shooter to the point and that's the and that's the way it is because I've always you know as a principal as a teacher you don't have a whole lot of time as a teacher inside the classroom you don't have a whole lot of time to impart the knowledge as you say right mm-hmm. so boom, you know, this is what we're going to do today. This is how we're going to do it. It's going to run and boom, and, and make sure I have enough time to teach you and make sure I have enough time to make sure that you can practice before I let you go. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, and so I always cut my, you know, as, as education, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing in business, right? You know, um, the old adage, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and then tell them again what you told them is great, but don't drag it out to 90 minutes. Yeah, I know. People don't have that time anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was different when we were in Cerrados in COVID, ¿verdad? Mm -hmm. But not, we don't have that time. We don't have the luxury of that time anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. So let me ask you a question um in regards to your previous experience as a school principal and i kind of want to tie it to business right right because parents have no idea how many entrepreneurial things you have to do as a school principal so can, can could you please give us an idea of those things and those challenges
1: Sure. Well,
0: one of the things as a, as a principal,
1: that's when I realized I was always, um, what they call or what I coined the term employeepreneur. I was an employeepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. So um, because you, you, there are certain things, there are certain demands you have to meet, obviously your state demands and then and then from your state demands and you have to go to your district demands and and uh, your superintendent is very different than your assistant superintendents and then you've got, you know, your program managers and all of those guys that are up here that, um, you know, when you go to the meeting, you realize, wait a minute, I'm a school principal principal Principal, but I'm not really anybody to you guys, right? You just want to see my you just want to see that my kids are learning, that my scores are going up, and you know, and that the kids are safe, right? Which is great. But as a as an employeepreneur, one of the things that shocked me, right? Because I went from being an assistant principal to a principal. Well, let me tell you, when you're an assistant principal and you don't know what it's like to be a principal. And when you're a teacher, you don't know what it's like to be an assistant principal. Right? So one of the things that really stuck out is that, um, you know, they said, okay, here you have $45,000 to run a school. And I'm like, Uh, Okay, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean that I have to take the teacher salaries out of here? What does it mean? You know, you really had to dive deep, and so it's running a business. I ran, you know, I ran a business of education because it is a business. It's like, oh my gosh! And so, a lot of people, when they ask, "Why can't the school do this?" and "Why can't the school do that?", I'm going to say to you that. The, the number one reason is, is that you're only given a certain amount of money and you have to, you have to be the marketer and you have to be the grant writer and you have to surround yourself with teachers that know how to grant write in order to be able to write these grants, submit them to the state so that you can get more money. Because if you run out of money the district is not going to give you the money anymore. So Mm -hmm. how can I service the students if I don't make money? Does that make sense? That was was like, oh my gosh, what? And and that was one of the big things. So I had to get extremely creative with the, you know, and and very familiar with the way the money is, um, you know, allocated in education.
0: Okay, I have a follow up, if you don't mind, just because I want people to really, truly understand the challenge you were up against. So could you tell us if you remember the size of the school by student body? And um, the other question was, uh, how much say do parents have in how you spend that money?
1: Okay, great questions, by the way. Great questions. And then I'll have some questions for you. So. um, so when you are, you're given that the parents have absolutely no clue, no idea, mm-hmm. right? So I was in a school that was 86% of the population was Latino. And then we had, um, you know, um, a mix of everything else, but very small Caucasian in, in a in a barrio here in San Diego called National City. So what I used to do was I would... I would inform my parents. So I had coffees where they would come during the day for coffee and I had nightly meetings at least um, once a month minimum to uh, inform the student. I mean, the parents, right? But I had a a community. So my, my numbers were, I had, um, when I walked into the school, I had um, 900 students that grew to 1200 students serviced by 125, um, teachers and 75 other, um, people, this Mm -hmm. were the secretaries, the librarians, the cafeteria workers, the, the, um, uh, the landscapers, the janitors, you know, so we still had all of those. So the, you know, parents don't, ever know that. So that was one of my biggest things was to, to actually invite the parents into the school to give them this information, right? Because most of the time, you know, parents come in with an expectation of what it should look like and what their children should have. But once you get into explaining to them, this is, this is how much money the district has given me. And so the district didn't like me. Let me let me just say that right away. They, they made my life de cuadritos, as they say, because, and they warned me that if I continued on the path that I was on, they might make my life a living hell. And they might actually look to remove me because I was informing the parents. And by informing the parents, what is information? Right. It, it, it empowers you. It empowers you, the parent, to be able to make decisions and be able to. And I used to tell my parents, you're going to go to the district office. You're going to, you're going to go to this office. You're going to ask for this. You're going to ask for this. And this is how we're going to get money. And I need you to be on my on my army of of um, my cadre of parents that are going to help the district give me here not, because it's so disproportionate. Because we are the school that's most needy, but we are the school that gets the least. Mm-hmm. And the school that was less needy, which is was um, you know the opposite, eighty six percent you know white they kept getting all the grants and that principal that had the same exact numbers that I did that principal got handed 150,000
0: to run her school wow wow i'm so glad you shared this because that's insightful um and i know that there's a lot of politics a lot of politics in schools and what you just said that you were pretty much blacklisted because you were empowering parents with the information that they have every right to have. Exactly. exactly. But they don't want you to know because, you know,
1: that's you're, you're, what's happening is you're giving them the power to ask for things that they don't want to be given you know, or I, you know, that was, I was always a rebel. I was always a rebel since, you know, I mean, even when I was a teacher, I was a rebel because I fought for the students as opposed to, you know, fighting for the, um, you know, teachers, right. Mm-hmm. Because there's in my, in my experience, there's a lot of teachers out there that should never be teachers.
0: Mm, I've seen some of them. Okay. I, yes, not all of them. Yeah.
1: But, and, and then one of the bad things was that, um, you know, you, you're running this business and, and it's kind of like, you know, when you're in corporate America, right. There's a lot of people in corporate America, that hate their jobs Mm -hmm. and and it's not any different in education. It's, you know, and that's as a business coach, that's the one thing that I tell, you know, what's, what's your passion? What is, if, if you, if you didn't have to you know, work for your money, what would you do? What would you be doing? Mm -hmm. And that's important. So now let me ask you this. So, um, thank you so much. Did that answer the question? Oh yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, um, now let me ask you this. You are a parenting coach. What were you before then? And what, and what
0: made you leap into entrepreneurship? what was I before becoming a parenting coach? I was, let me think, I was working like everybody else, nine to five um, for uh, an educational uh, institution. And before that, the government, and I served 10 years in the military. I was uh, in the army. I was a mechanic because I was a rebel. I remember being, I would think I was 16 when I actually signed the documents and I decided I wasn't going to conform to what society expected of a young woman. <laughs> and I'm when I went Latina, too, oh yeah. Um, and I'm lucky in the sense that my mom never really imposed the you know the traditional Latina things strongly. There were some, but not not like many, many other uh, Latinas that I talked to. So I'm I feel like I'm almost like the oddball because like you know, it wasn't that bad, but I did it because I grew up in a violent home. My father was violent and, Mm -hmm. and I saw my mom having to be at his beck and call for survival. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I, I always, I remember thinking, why should women settle for people who don't treat them well? You know, why should women do this and that? And so I, uh enlisted and I was like, but I'm not gonna do the girl thing, like the supposedly, you know, society says only girls should do this. And um I decided to be a mechanic because I'm like, what more opposite? <laughs> <laughs> controversial. <laughs> Can you know? So that's what I did. Um it was a uh, quite an experience because it made me challenge myself as a human being, as a um as a woman too, you know, like being challenged by so many men. Their way of thinking, or oh, the misogyny, the sexism, ageism, too, because I did really well and went up the ranks quite quickly. And it did not feel good to some people. It was kind of threatening. And uh, that makes you grow, especially in a very dominated, male dominated institution like the military. And during my 10 years of service, I, because I was also a bullied child, because um, I came. Uh, at the age of seven from Nicaragua, and I was immediately bullied because I was just different. So I actually learned to speak up for myself in the military. I remember this one particular event that uh, it, it got to the point to where I didn't want to go to work every morning. I'd open my eyes and I just wanted to cry. And I like my body, I wanted to puke. It was just terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. And my my husband and a uh, warrant officer who was mentoring me. Both of them, were like, you just got to speak up. And I was like, I was too scared because one of the things that happens in our Latino cultures is that they teach you as a child, don't question authority. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, don't. And, mm-hmm.
1: and then women, and and eres mujercita,
0: sí. y las mujercitas no necesitan hablar. I never heard that growing up, thank goodness you know, from my household at least, but I know many other families. De que así las trataban las niñas. So I remember that warrant officer who happened to be Mexicano, and he was like, Rivera. You got to just walk in there and just tell them like it is. Don't sugarcoat. you know, don't nothing. Solo diles. And I was like scared, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. But they outrank me. They're seniors to me. They're older than me. Esto, todo esto, you know, and my husband, I remember he was so frustrated because, you know, he's a man. Men don't really have that big of a problem with this. You know, they're not told since they're little to just like be careful what you say. Be nice. You know, so he's he says to me. Dali, those MF men (laughs) are just like you. They put in, they put their pants on just like you, one leg at a time. So damn it, get in there and go stand up for yourself. And I remember going into that room and uh, respectfully, but with that like voice of not shy, you know, just authority or trying to. But I was so nervous that my voice quivered a ton, like almost the whole thing. And it was like a 30-minute conversation. And I I stood up for myself. There was one sergeant in there who, who backed me, who from the distance, he was like, I'm just going to be in there. Um, and I could see his face from afar. He was like making these faces like, you know, like, dang. <laughs> you know? And uh, he was kind of smiling. And I kind of saw like a little sm- a smile of, Pride, you know, seeing so, me. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and when I went, when I walked out of that room, like I fell apart. I was like, oh, my God, like I was melting. I was like, I can't believe I just survived that. And then it, that was the the moment when I truly learned that no matter how scared you are, you have to speak up for yourself because you're not going to die. They're not going to beat you up. They're not gonna. you You're. You know, all the crazy stories we imagine in our minds. Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. not there.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, I was also a rebel because I used to stand up for my soldiers, and yeah. and so that taught me to um, want to empower people. And as as far as like becoming the founder of and creator of the Diversity and Anti Bullying Academy, that came also from. Uh, uh, advocacy my child when she was five she was bullied by two little boys oh no uh, and I spoke to the bus driver because it happened first at the bus stop the bus driver couldn't do anything because kids were too scared to speak up so I went to the school district I mean to the, the school principal and she says to me oh I can't help you that didn't happen on school grounds therefore it's not my problem I hated that oh and I was floored you know as the mom. Of uh, the first child to go to school, you don't know what you don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. I had a similar experience.
0: Mm -hmm. And you expect these people to help you immediately because the safety of your child is the most precious to any parent and I thought to any principal. So she kept saying these words like, oh, I have to follow protocol. I have to follow the policy. I have to wait. I can't just jump. I can't just expel them from the bus. I have to, you know, and I'm like, what the heck is she talking about? So I dove into researching, like, let me look up what this policy is saying. I never even, I didn't even know there was a policy about that, right? Um, And that's when my research on bullying started, and it has never stopped. Seven years later, I created my business, Dolly Talks LLC. I was able to get help because I used that policy to my advantage to get help for my child. But I also, again, sharing knowledge, because I was always involved at the PTA, everything, Mm -hmm. and I was give the parents the information and some educators didn't like it because they were like, Oh, you're turning the parents against me. I'm like, no, I'm just telling them how to work with you because yeah. you don't have the time or money, supposedly you mm-hmm. talk to the parents and mm-hmm. tell them, Hey, this is how our reporting process works. And if you want to work is eas- you know, smoother with us, this is what we need from you. So that's how Dava or diversity and anti-bullying Academy was pretty much founded because of that person. I was like, uh-uh, not my baby. Nope. Leave <laughs> yes. <Thanks> her <for> alone.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, um, adding to that for, uh, as a principal, here's here's what I, you know, and, and this is why uh, there's a lot of colleagues that don't like me because one of the things that I was, I was a very hands-on principal. Okay. The kids knew me. They knew the sound of my, I was walking fast and they would, you know, and there was like, here comes Miss Diaz. They knew me because I've always been, you know, one that loves to wear her bracelets, you Mm -hmm. know? I, I get lost in my kids get lost in the store, and they they were always listening for the for the jingle jangle. Mm-hmm. Well, the kids at the school knew that too. So so did the teachers. So did the parents. And and you know, I was a very hands on. If there was. I would ride the school bus, I I did house visits, I sat in classrooms, I worked in the cafeteria, I cleaned the toilets, I cut the grass, you name it. I was out there because I wanted to see every part of my school community and how it worked. Mm-hmm. and then you know and that was that was really important we were in the middle of gangs and and um there's a lot of things that that parents need to be empowered to be able to do and one of the things that districts don't like is they don't like that so i would sometimes miss principal meetings because i was out with my community mm-hmm that was a big no, no. That yeah. was no, no. I call, I got called in and um, you know, and, and I remember, I mean, even going back to parents need to understand this too, because sometimes the districts tie your hands and um, I was, I made a, a, a concrete decision not to be somebody's puppet when I became principal. When I was assistant principal, I had a counterpart. They usually always had a female and a male and my male, um, actually went to the district to tell on me that I wasn't supporting him. Well, so that was true because I don't like laziness Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, and we had a school community to run and we needed to be outside and every afternoon when the kids left. The kids knew that I was out there. The kids knew that I, you know, and I would make my school resource officers strategically so that we wouldn't have any bullying. Why? Because I was a product of bullying as well. My, my, um, you know, um, my uh, oldest was also a product of bullying and was left was left on on the you know on the stoop of the school because the bus because he was finishing his work and the bus driver just took off. so been there done that yeah mm-hmm. and and it's important that we that we empower we work as a community it's this uh, it's that same thing but um but yeah, there's a lot of things that parents don't understand that the district ties your hands. And then there's a lot of, um, you know, I was told if I didn't support him and whatever that support meant to him, um, you know, then then I was going to lose my position. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, he manhandled me or woman handled me and threatened me. And I was not about to do that. I, I remember taking pictures because he... Um, he grabbed me and he would jerk me around. I'm going like, what the hell? And I, you know, and, um, so I reported him, but of course he was white. My supervisor was white and the, and the superintendent was white. So when I reported it, they said I was making it up. And they said, if you don't support them, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose your job.
0: Yeah. I, I, I cannot stress how much uh, we need to talk about the gender um, oh, yeah. harassment and, and assault, really, because, I mean, nobody should be putting their hands on you. And as an educator, as a, an administrator, I don't think parents understand that stuff like that happens. And your story is not the first one I've heard about that. I've heard other principals tell me about retaliation, you know, oh, yeah. about um, discrimination in very subtle ways. And I know right now there might be some people talking about like, oh, you know, race, that's just, in. it's in your head. Racism doesn't exist. Yes, it does. You have so many yeah. people that experience it, and I don't understand how some people still negate it. Um, and so you have principals that are dealing with their own personal, professional thing at school, Uh, trying to help the community, trying to help the students, the teachers, the staff. It's a lot. And I like that you even gave us an example of you cutting the grass. I remember one of my uh, kids' school principals, when I walked to the school and I saw her cutting the grass, I was like, what? And then it dawned on me, oh my gosh, the responsibilities go beyond that office she sits in. Oh, yeah. It was crazy because I never really, and I'd already been volunteering for years at schools, but I'd never, you know, every year, you know, things change at middle school level. Right. level. And it, it just made me realize that like being in charge of the janitor, you know, I, I was like, I don't know, why did I think that the school district was the one managing all of that? Or like, uh, you know, just the menial things. And so then, when, when administrators say, Oh, there's this, I got a lot on my plate. Now, I, I understand. I understand now because it's not just making sure that everybody's passing grades and testing and teachers are happy. There's so much more. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, don't. I mean, um, I have a lot to share because it's like, okay, I, I you know, if I was thinking about that, um, they basically, um, pushed me out and then when they pushed me out I went up to the college right so I was the last 15 years of my life I was a college professor. So um I've taught at every level of the school. I've administrated at every level of this of, of school from from elementary all the way to college as well. And um and let me tell you that um it is very it's very much the same, um, you know, mentality that goes through there. I was really surprised that I was listening to, um, you know, to these people. And, and it was like, I thought when I went up to, to the college level, it was going to be different, not, not. And the sad part is, is that, um, you know, uh, I got a lot of following from my Latina students and I, you know, with being a champion and I would tell them this, this, and that, and do, do this and, and here's what you want to do and, and make sure, because Latina, I, I, you know, I want to say this for your parents and then I'll ask you a question for you uh, about your business. Um, The Latino kids, are not given, and I hate to say this, but they are not given the same information about getting to higher education or what's out there in the entrepreneurial world or anything other than vocational information and you need this math class, you need that English class, and you need to get to the higher education. Well, I'm going to tell you something that most kids made a decision on what they wanted to be based on what they know. Mm-hmm. And there is no, nobody has um, pulled, you know, pulled the curtains open so that our Latino students are, you know, um, you know, Latino meaning everything and our, and our, you know, African-American black students, however you identify are seen now. African-American black students are given a little bit more, but the, and then after them are given, you know, it's the Asians. And then the very last, the very last is your, is your, you know, your indigenous people, your Latino people and um, the students, you'd be surprised how many students didn't even know what a virtual assistant was when I I started. to check. Right. And so then I said, okay, I want to teach virtual assistants. I wanted to, uh, you know, how to be a virtual assistant and I want to teach it for bilingual because there's a lot of bilingual, um, you know, entrepreneurs, mujerpreneurs out there. I was told by the college, no, it's discriminatory and you can't do that. So I was like, okay, Mm mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I'm saying it's only for Latino or whatever, because you can be white and still be bilingual. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I, you know, um, my one of my best friends, she's white, but she went to live in Mexico for a while just to learn Spanish. And so she's completely bilingual. Right. So it's, it's a matter of um, what you're doing, Dali, is really admirable because it's important for our, our parents to understand that they have rights and that to understand that they can be the advocate for the, for the students. And they need you. They need you because I'm going to be honest with you. Um, they, you know, are not given the full support that they need.
0: Yeah. And you know, you've made me realize it's not that you don't want to. Um, I mean, I've seen it too. You know, it's the hands are tied, what you said. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that when I say it, it's not really believed. But coming from a previous, you know, principle, you've lived it, you've been there. It's real. It's really real.
1: It's it's really real. And, and, um and what I can say is, uh, you know, uh, get to know the, the principal, get to know, um, you know, what are their values? I, for me, um, loyalty was, you know, a big thing. So I was very loyal to my parents and my parents that were very loyal to me. And, you know, the day before they quote, unquote, administratively removed me before giving the parents too much information. It was like the third strike, right? So Mm -hmm. it was like, I was turned in by my secretary. She called the district and said, she's having one of her secret meetings and um, for the parents and they walked in and sure enough, these two white men walk in and, and I'm giving them and I'm giving the parents and I was telling them because there was a grant that was issued to the school, but they wanted to administer it in a way that they wanted. And I say they, the district, and they were not And and for me, it was like, no, wait a minute. We don't need, we, we don't need another, um, you know, another uh, um, shower room. The kids don't need to take PE anymore. So they don't need that. We need it over here in the science room and we need it over here and we need this and this and that. And they didn't like it and they don't like, you know, they don't like when somebody goes against it. And um, and even when I worked for the State Department of Education, I was uh, on loan and I worked for the, it was called the WASC accrediting committee, right? The Western Association of Schools and Colleges. And every school in the state of California has to measure up to those, you know, certain criteria, right? And um, so I was, I was doing schools, I was auditing schools for, for, you know, for these things. And this is what a lot of parents um, don't even realize there are, you know, there's, you need to ask, you need to ask, are these, um, if you're going into private education, you need to ask, is this school accredited by the There's the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and there's the Eastern Association of Schools and Colleges for the East and for the West. And um, and that's going to be critically important. Why? Because if you go to a regular, you know, online school or or, and it's not accredited or you go into a homeschool and it's not accredited, you're going to have a hard time getting your child into a higher education because you're coming from a non-accredited school. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, the, um, the ins and outs of that is really important. So I, you know, I did the, I did what you're doing now. So, you know, obviously anti-bullying, that was just, you know, I just, There was, I had a no tolerance at my school, no tolerance, absolutely no tolerance. You were caught being bullied. And luckily I was in the classroom before there were cell phones. There were cell phones, Mm -hmm. but they were not widely used, right? So nobody was videoing anybody. But um, I had a, a, I created a cadre of students. They were my, they were the principals, um, they were the principals council. And then I had a cadre of parents who were different than the students that were there on purpose. So I had I had parents that could easily text me and I had students that could text me as well if there was something going on. And um, my whole staff, you know, my my secretaries all knew that if I was going to get that and I was going to get up no matter what happened, if I was with a parent, it would be, I'm sorry, very, you know, give me five minutes. I need to go check on these students and then I'll be back. And so I would personally go get the students. The parents were very amenable and they understood, you know, um, so I really think it's a good principle needs to be a community based principle needs to be a growth mindset person and needs to have strong values and core values that actually make them understand. There were a lot of times um, I was in two lockdowns. There were a lot of times that I would call my family and I would say, okay, I'm not going to be home. We're in a lockdown and you guys all know the, the drill. I love you very much. If anything happens to me, we had a shooter on campus. If anything happens to me, know that I love you, but I will not leave my students. You know that. And so, um, luckily, I'm still here, but you know, that's the kind of son, mis hijos. I had, you know.
0: Wait, had, so you had, you had a real shooter, or was this like a rehearsal?
1: No, no, baby. We had a, a real shooter. <laughs> Holy cow. We had a real shooter. But Luckily, it was a kind of a dumb shooter. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> And there were no assault rifles back right. then. It was, you know, it was a little handgun, oh and he tripped up
0: and ended up shooting his feet. Oh my gosh! So you know, that's horrible. That's, I mean, still petrifying because now that's such a common thing and so real. I mean, you just don't. That's a whole other conversation. I just wanted to ask because I was like, wait, is she talking about a real one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, one? no, no. We well, did not twice. We, we yes, two different schools,
1: um, because for a while there, then I left, um, I, I, after that, I left and went to um, Riverside County over there in um, Coachella Valley, all of that area. And we had, and we had a bomb scare there. And we also had a shooter on, on campus come on, on the high school campus there. So that was, that was interesting as well.
0: Oh my gosh. Now I, I know you have questions for me, but I need yeah. to come back and ask you some stuff about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. You, um, uh, you know, um, I used to teach asset protection. I was in the business department, you know, and that type of thing. And you just talked about Valley talks when, and, and you said you, you even have an LLC, right? Right. Is that an, Okay. Right. So, um, So when you created this, how, who, who guided you, how did you know about this? And was it something you did right away Mm -hmm. or something you did? And what can you offer um, to our listeners who are thinking about or have a business, but that they haven't, you know, put any asset protection together?
0: Yeah, great question, because, you know, when I started Dali Talks LLC, I had already uh, had experience with entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, we do things that are very entrepreneurial and we don't realize that they are until we actually create something bigger, you know, like an actual like go and file, uh, you know, your articles over organization or whatever. Um, so I initially, educated myself on how to even start one because somebody at the college I was at told me there was a program for military veterans with disabilities that was free. And I am a military veteran. I do have disabilities. So I qualified for this and it was partly online, partly um, on campus at Syracuse University. It was a phenomenal entrepreneurship program and it was very in depth, very immersive. And that's where they like, they bring in like the experts for legal, for, you know, um, taxes, uh, market research, everything. And of course, sitting through classes day by day versus doing it is different. So um, Dali Talks LLC was created seven years after that incident with my daughter. So for those seven years, I had been creating content and giving away information for free. Mm -hmm. By the time, in 2017, I was laid off from uh, an educational institution I was working at. And my husband, he turns over and he's like, hey, you know, all that free information you've been giving away for free, I think it's time for you to make money from it. (laughs) And I was like, huh, that's crazy. Like, nobody's going to pay for this. And he was like, "Well, I think that they will. I think that they will. There's nonprofits that do it. So why don't you do it?" And and I didn't want to have a, a nonprofit because I like I like to just own my like whatever I invest in, and you know, not have anybody say, you know, like, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. I feel like nonprofits to a certain point are restrictive, um, and to each their own, you know. Uh, so. I went, keeping that in mind, I had already gone to this thing at Syracuse University before and I actually started a business of luxury cutting boards. You can actually Google it to this day. It's maestroblocks.com oh, or, um, cool. and they were beautiful. And I actually surprisingly did well to the point to where QVC wanted a massive amount of orders, but I couldn't, I didn't have the funds. So I just let it go. And wow. so, yeah, so I incorporated uh, with the help of the small business development center mm-hmm. where I was at at the time, just for review, because laws change, things change the way that we do business changes over time. And so from the time I went to Syracuse and started my Maestro blocks line of butcher blocks to Dali Talks LLC, it had been about seven, maybe nine, eight years. And, um, the I would look for every bit of free information that I could find. Um, back then, you know, things like this, like the podcasts were there, but they weren't really, you know, people still didn't really understand what they were. Um, so the SBDC, which is a free tool paid by the federal government, partly, and they had a women's business center within the SBDC in my location in Colton, actually, um, okay. in Riverside County in California. So I took advantage of that. And while I had already written an entire business plan for my previous business, I had an idea and they had uh, It's Your Time, a program that they still have today. And it's either free or based on your income. It's very, very affordable. And it's so many weeks. And I said, you know, I'm going to go through this. Uh, It's going to be painful because writing a business plan is painful. Oh, yes. It's like a college research paper. Yes. And so you you have to take it seriously. And I remember they, they made it a competition and I won third place. And I was like, yeah, right. Talk about imposter syndrome. You know what I told myself? I said, I only won it because I know how to write probably better than most of the people. Because most of the people here didn't go to college. And then I was like, oh, I only won because just this one section was really good. Or I, I only won because I've done this before. So it's crazy because the imposter syndrome doesn't stop just because you've been in business of or have had several business ventures. You know, it's always there. So you always, I'm always combating that to this day. And I know I've done some pretty badass things. Excuse <laughs> my <laughs> name. <mind>. But, <laughs> but I've had to learn how to give myself credit uh, remind myself, it's not arrogance that I'm practicing, it's the credit that we women so easily dismiss and do not count. So that has helped me continue to ask questions and find as many free resources as possible. And I went to SCORE.org as well, where you can get a free mentor in that specific field that you're working in to get more detailed um, mentorship uh, so any any information, any information at all, I would just go for it and ask the questions. And in turn, I've always liked to share what the tools that I've had access to because so many people right now have four mentees. Um, and actually, right before you and I got on this call, she texts me and she says, I'm going to go ahead and incorporate. That's one of my tasks this year or this week. I'm going to incorporate. I'm like, OK, remember that EIN number, which is a social security yes. number to your business, is free at the yes. IRS.gov website. Yes. Don't let anybody charge you to, to file it for you because that's a scam. And the other one is, you know, go to your uh, state of um uh, your state go- government website to file it if you're gonna do it yourself, and you know, just like all these little things. Yes, were not told to me. I had to figure it out as I went. Like uh, when I incorporated in California, I, <laughs> I remember, I had to create some sort of account with the state of, uh, you know, the, for the controller stuff to look at your taxes and stuff. Yes. And and I remember I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, I have to do what now? I'm like, okay. And I learned because I went to that those workshops. Right. You no. Know, and, and it was free. Right. And and so
1: um so for the listeners, um Dali was here in California. I'm in California. I happen to be um, married to the CFO of a microfinance lending company and it is called cecity.org. And they actually lend to the same you know to Latinas is one of their really powers um you know that they're that they're really trying to get out there to do um more diverse uh loans. So you can get anything from um you know a hundred dollar loan with them up until I think it's like uh two hundred and fifty. I might be incorrect, but um, but yes, those are things, and they also run a boot camp as well. So if you apply online, they will run a boot camp. That's where I have um, spoken. And so my husband and I are kind of in the same, we, we serve the same, um, you know, the same uh, target audience, if you will. And, um, and it's important because um, asset protection is, is critical. And, and uh, one of the things that I want to share with people is that sometimes they think that because they are just signed up with network marketing that they don't need this. And whether you're an affiliate marketer or you are a um, network marketer or you are a solopreneur, you need asset protection. Everything needs to be um, protected so that if something happens, you know, and there's resources, like you just said, the score there, there, you've got to log into the local, you know, your local, um, your local business development center. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, because every state too, now you're, you're in, um, in Maryland, Maryland, and they're all different. So it's important As well as when you're moving a business from one state to another, there are some banking rules as well that you have to adhere to. So if you just decide, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing an online business, the banks have not come around yet to the point where it's like, Oh, she's an online business. Um, I, you know, um, okay. She can go anywhere in the world. No. I mean, it's like, it's like if you incorporate in California, they expect you to have a, a, um, you know, a working, um, bank account and a, you, you, you also have to give a, to me, it's really dumb. I'm online. I don't have a physical address. Well, even if it's your house, you have to put it Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then there's all kinds of things that um, hoops that you need to go through. So, you know, make sure, make sure mujeres, as Dali was saying that you get information Mm -hmm. and if you don't have, you're not sure where to get the information you know, DM me. That's what I do. I love, you know, DM me as a Latina biz coach. I will point you in the, in the right direction. I'll say to you, okay, go over here. You got it. You, you need this. Um, you know, because, uh, I coach all Mm Mujepreneurs, mostly micro bizpreneurs, and um, women that are ready to go from five figures to six figures and mentality, the mental block that you said, we're not taught as Latinas as well. The One of the reasons I became a Latina coach was um, we're not taught how to be good receivers. Yeah. As women, we're not taught. But as a Latina, you're even less taught how to be a good receiver. Mm-hmm. So that's so important, you know. Yeah. And so we we w- that's why to this day we're still only making 85 cents on the dollar that our while that our white male counterpart makes. But it was 75. Yeah, it's pretty 75. It yeah. Still mm-hmm. you know, 65, 70, mm-hmm. it's you know, yeah. I mean that happened and that happens even in the education system mm-hmm. because I was running a school. And there was my white counterpart who was running an exact same school, but he was 20 getting paid a salary of $25,000 more than I was.
0: Yeah. That's what I love about entrepreneurship. If you, if you work really hard, all the profits come back to you. Working really, really hard for an institution. You get a fraction of those profits. If you get profits. Right. And Everybody has something that they can share and sell. It's, it's knowledge that you're selling. It's learning how to, I don't know, make candied apples or learning how to make hats, you know, coaching people. Uh, I've heard women that say, well, I've been a, a stay-at-home mom forever. What do I know? Oh, my gosh, you know, budgeting. You know, yeah. you know, <laughs> mental health because you're, you know, you're there for your kids. You know, so much. You don't give yourself credit. They exactly. coach. They,
1: you know, it's like it's mm-hmm. like you are. And, and talk about the best thing that a, that a mujer is, you know, a, a madre. We are really good negotiators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And resourceful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And 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 ageism shouldn't be a thing because, uh, you know, I love to wear hats and so everybody knows me because it's like a thing, right? I wear hats. This hat right here that you see was actually hand-painted. I got it. um, We went last um, to Cancun, no, actually to Cozumel and um, the woman that painted this still has her hat-painting business and sells it in El Mercado and she is is 80 years old and she hand paints each one and it's beautiful and it's and and so I got myself (laughs) too but um you know but it's 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 really important um at the end of the day um you know it's it's just being resilient like you said looking out for uh, for each other, verdad? Mm-hmm. So looking out for each other, looking out for information and, you know, and it's just important for us to be there whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you are, you know, or whether you're a want to be entrepreneur and I and I mean that in a in a very um cariñoso sense right not a wannabe you know we because we used to say we're a wannabe for (laughs) bang bangers but um but it's important so um so thanks so I have one last question for you okay one last question for you and this would be really good okay so you are are an infopreneur right Mm -hmm. you're selling information right you're an infopreneur and at, at, at what point did you realize, oh, okay, I've got to gather all this information I put out there and put it into a, a system, a structure? What did you do? Do you have a newsletter? How did you do that?
0: How I realized that I needed to actually package it was when my husband said, hey, you should sell the information. And by the way, you have an appointment tomorrow with a school principal at 9 a.m. That's really how it happened. Yeah. (laughs) I think back and I was like, I wanted to kill him figuratively, of course. Um, But I'm grateful that he did that because I had material that I had been just collecting, but I never packaged it neatly and concisely. And that was what made me realize, oh crap, I need to put slides together. I need to put together some worksheets. But what really helped me figure out how to do it, because it's an undertaking. I mean, it's overwhelming. It's so especially years of content that I had. And then you have to decide, is it going to be for the kids? Or is it going to be for the parents? Or is it going to be for both? And initially, when I started Dali Talks LLC and the DABA, you know, I thought I was going to be teaching the children mainly, but I always invited the parents because I knew that parents lack this information to this day, they do. And so it slowly started coming together every time I would go to our workshop. And I would ask somebody who had, say, created a presentation, hey, how do you start the presentation? Oh, yeah, you got to follow the 10-20-30 rule. What is that? Oh, Guy Kayasaki said, you know, this, no more than this, you know, all these rules. And I was like, okay. And then people would tell me, like, remember, there's no rules. But there are rules. You choose to follow them or not. You can make it your own style. So that can be confusing and overwhelming. Like, what is my style? And you just have to start. You just have to start somewhere. And I've always asked friends that I trusted, um, hey, can you look at this for me? Could you please let me know if it makes sense? Because in my mind, it makes sense. You know, When you read something to yourself, it's in your head. So even if you're reading it, it makes sense to you. Exactly. Like having somebody else who has no knowledge of that topic you're talking about is going to help you. And there's always somebody willing to help. So if you join one of these business uh, groups, whether it's from the SBDC, score.org, a friend, another entrepreneur you, who you trust. And there's so many people willing to help too. Oh, yeah, so I mean. many people uh, because people like being part of your journey. And seeing you grow, you know, so I suddenly just was like, okay, now I have all the content, it was on Word. Now it's going on slides. Now it's too much. I got to cut back because it's overwhelming for the parents. And it just evolves slowly. It's really trial and error. And I used to beat myself up so much when I would over deliver and overwhelm the parents. Or maybe I wasn't that fun in delivering it to the kids. And that's how I realized I suck. At teaching kids, I'm boring. So, <laughs> so I was like, no. and that's really how you find out where what your strengths are, right? By trying it. And I realized, okay, I love teaching the parents, the conversations are richer, I can elaborate more. With kids, you have to be more entertaining, and I'm not an entertaining person. (laughs) I'm not and that's okay. It's okay, you know. So that's it, really, it's a it's progress. And I don't want people to think I'm gonna go buy Amy Porterfield's course on how to create courses, and in 90 days I'm gonna have this beautiful course. No, it does not happen like that because you know, it, it takes
1: time. <laughs> I have a beautiful course. I know AV Porter well I was in her coaching. Yes. It's not that it's it, I want to reiterate it's not that build it and they will come.
0: Right. <laughs> There's so much more. <laughs> and and I think that you have to remind yourself that as long as you have baby steps like right now I have my, my mentees I tell them every week I'm gonna text you at this time and I'm gonna ask you two questions what three mini tasks did you complete last week? And what three mini tasks are you going to complete this week? And remember to not beat yourself up if you don't get to any of them, but I want you to at least try to get one because those baby steps are going to help you run a marathon at the end. Right. You know? Right.
1: And that's, and that's so, so, so important, you know, and I'm glad that you do that. And, um, and, you know, always, um, So one of the things that I have with my coachees as well is um, uh, I prefer, I mean, I will, I will do the um, one-on-one coaching, but I prefer the group coaching aspect. And, you know, so the, the people that are in my group, you know, they pay. And one of the things I always tell them is, is realize you do want to pay. You want to get to the point where you're at least paying something because you, if you pay, you will perform. Mm-hmm. But if you, it's free, chances are that you're, you're going to keep putting it off. And so if, if you, if it's free, you're going to procrastinate, trust mm-hmm. me, yeah. been there, done that. And, and it's so true. If you don't, if you're not willing to pay, then you're not really willing to stretch and to, you know, do what you need to do. You're not willing to get out of your comfort zone.
0: I completely agree with that because I remember Uh, I was scared to pay for for the course. Right. And my husband actually said, well, wait a minute. Why are you scared? Because if you're hesitating paying it, then that means you're not that serious about it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It was almost like an insult. And I was like, "Ah." and then I thought about it. I was like, crap, he's right. And I bought it because I was like, no, I'm serious about this. It also it it just helped me really dig deep and think, yeah, I really want to do this because that's a big investment. And I remember it was not cheap. It was like, I think $1,500. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that was a lot. And I was like, okay, $1,500 out of our family budget. Yeah. So this thing. And so that too, um, there's been so many people who say, oh, but I don't have the money. And I, one thing I used to hear at every every workshop, people would say, start the plan, the money will follow. And I was just like, no, because I'm a planner. Like I've planned everything in my life, like when I was gonna have a kid, when I was gonna buy a house, when you know, everything. And so for me to just dive in, start creating these workshops and these beautiful slides and stuff, I'm like, but but I don't have the money. How am I gonna pay for the website and for this and that? And The how slowly, yeah, and slowly I was like, No, things don't just happen. What are you talking about? And then, and then I, yeah, I started realizing, Oh. You become a
1: manifester, you become a manifester. That's one of the things I teach in my courses the mindset, right? You become a manifester. I was a, you know, um I've studied um I actually had a yoga school for a while. So you become a manifester when you get into action. So that's mm-hmm. so important. But, um, so Dali, this is, this has been great. We could go on forever and you could ask me questions and I could ask you questions and we could go on forever. But I just want to say thank you so much for being on, you know, a guest and thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest to you. And, um, absolutely, you know, um, I, I know that, um, that if, If my, if my listeners need, uh, your resource and your help, they will actually find it. And you're on, um, you are on Pinterest, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and everywhere you are, it's Dali Talks. So Dali, D-A-L-I Talks, T-A-L-K-S. And you can find her everywhere, just like you can find me everywhere under Marty with an I angel underscore ELC for empowering Latina coach. So, um, that's where I am everywhere, you know, and that's the beauty about this, but it's, it, you've done, you know, an amazing, an amazing job. I want you to keep doing what you're doing girl. And, um, let's, let's, um, you know, do this again soon.
0: Yes, because yes, I have so many more questions that I didn't get to. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And I'm like, OK, we're running out of time
1: and we yeah. don't want this to go too long. And so we're going to have to come back. This is part one. Todo mm-hmm. mujeres, escuchen. This is part one, because definitely we need to come back and do a part two. You are an amazing resource. Um, especially for parents you know I wish when I was a principal I had somebody like you um you know helping helping me to inform the parents when we were on the same side
0: yeah thank you very much thank you for the time you gave to public education and it's too bad that they didn't appreciate you but I'm but you're still helping you're still helping my community by sharing what you went through and you're helping so many other people who are just trying to pretty much um, make their dreams come true. And thank you for being on my podcast too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias again. So um, we will end this broadcast right now. And if you're watching us, we are so incredibly grateful to have you watching us on the Coach Marty Angel YouTube. And you will listen to the audio when um, this drops for me on Mujer de Éxito Unbounded. We'll drop on the 28th and we'll drop on the um, second for you on the second table uh that's May one two three the third okay yeah. may the third may the third for you and this was fun we did it we did it all together yay
0: i like it okay sweetie thank you so much thank you well marty and i ran out of uh time but believe me that conversation could have gone for a whole nother hour so um there were some things that i wanted to ask and i promise that i will ask her next time around regarding the shootings uh because i'm pretty sure that a lot of you listening would like to know certain things about what happens you know what what do schools do when situations like that happen sadly that's something that is real now in our society um but i hope that you really enjoyed that conversation with marty it's really nice to have a very candid, open conversation with someone who has been in the education system as a principal and as an educator. Um, because like her, you know, being, having that rebel side, she is willing to give that information. And I have tried having that conversation with so many, um, principals right now, and they're all, um, very hesitant to do it. I mean, they haven't taken me up on that conversation because of fear of retaliation. Um, So if you try to have that conversation with your uh, child's school principal, and they kind of not give you answers or just flat out refuse to have those tough conversations with you, that's just know that it's not because they don't want to, it's because they are told not to. Um, or, or maybe it's implied that they shouldn't. And we can only change that when parents show up in the masses and ask for the answers, because you have every right to do that. And we cannot create change in our education system until you start asking for change, you know, specific change. So if you have a specific issue that you want to see improved in your uh, child's school, then you've got to speak up and please try to encourage other parents to speak up with you. Because like I've said in the past, when you show up and ask, you know, as an individual, they can't ignore you. Um, and when you show up with 10, 20 parents and ask for that same thing, they can't. they can't really ignore you that easily. They'll try, but it's harder. All right. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you subscribe and and don't forget we publish a new episode every Wednesday. Hey, did you like that episode? If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind the scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time.